throughout the book of Ruth, we have seen that God is ordaining each and every event. A family of four left Bethlehem. Naomi, her husband Elimelech, two boys because of a famine. They went to Moab. And in Moab, Elimelech dies. The two boys marry Moabite women. Then the two boys die. The mother-in-law, Naomi, says to her two daughters-in-law, go back. Orpah, one of them goes back. Ruth comes with her. They go to Bethlehem. So they're back in Bethlehem, and God is in sovereign control. And he, he, he brings Ruth from Moab, causes her to end up in this field of a man named Boaz. Eventually, they are going to get married and have uh, a descendant in the line, a child in the line of their line, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So he's in charge of all these events. God is crafting and ordaining, moving people here, moving them there. And the characters do not know how it's going to turn out uh, like our lives. We don't see it, but we're just being faithful. We're putting one foot in front of the, uh, of the other. So uh, Ruth goes out. She gleans in a field. She's being faithful, taking care of her mother-in-law. Uh, Boaz, he's just a godly man, takes care of him. his employees, takes care of the poor. They're just being faithful. They do not know they're going to get married one day. They are being faithful in the present, and God and his sovereignty is bringing them together. And as we've seen so far, that's what we do, right? We're faithful. We don't know what's going to happen. We put one foot in front of the other. We're not sure who we're going to marry, or whether we're going to have kids, when we're going to die, when we're going to graduate, retire, whatever else. We're just being faithful. So far, so good. That's what we talked about. Faithfulness under the sovereignty of God. But... As we are faithful and plodding along, there are times in our lives when we have to make big choices. These are not the normal, everyday choices that you make of faithfulness. There are times in our life where we have to stop and we're faced and confronted with a very large choice. And that choice is something called a risk. And it's a risk because it can turn out really, really good or it can turn out really, really bad. And, and some of you right now are making some choices that fall in the category of risk. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about foolish risk. I'm talking about strategic risk in line with the character of God and in line with where he may be leading you. And as we study Ruth, what we're going to see is that God is working out his sovereign plan and he's using believers who take strategic risk. And that's what we're going to see. Three believers. Naomi, Ruth, Boaz. All under the sovereignty of God. All of them, in one way, shape, or form, are taking strategic risk. Let's see it. Let's see it not just for them, but for us who live on the other side of the cross of Jesus Christ, what it might look like for us to take strategic risk as we function under the sovereignty of God as he is unfolding his plan. This is really good. This is, this is a love story. So let's, let's jump kind of in the middle of it. Chapter 3, verse 1. 
Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be, may be well with you? So basically some time has passed now. Ruth's still staying with her mother-in-law after working as a gleaner in the field of Boaz. The harvest time is over, and Boaz has made no initiative toward her. Ladies, have you ever gone out on a few dates with a guy? And then you hear nothing. Nothing. He doesn't call. There's an email. Nothing. Have you ever thought that you need to have your mom intervene? <laughs> Probably not. But right here, we have a mother-in-law that's not going to stand for it. And she's going to do something about it. She's going to intervene, and she's going to start to craft this very strategic plan where she can get Ruth married to Boaz and so that she can settle down and be happy and provide it for and have kids and all that. So she has this strategic plan, to say the least. It's, it's, a, it's a little crazy. Let's watch. Verse 2. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So she has this plan, and she centers it around uh, their, ro- their relative, Boaz. Now, now, stick with me, okay? He's their relative. And last week, we saw in chapter 2, verse 20, Naomi said, um, see the very end of verse 20? The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Okay, stick with me. He's a redeemer. Technically, a kinsman redeemer. This is not part of our culture. This is part of the Israelite culture that there was this male relative in imitation of God who was their redeemer, provider, took care of them. There's male relative that if something happened to one of his relatives, he could step in and redeem the situation. So if someone uh, uh, sold their land, he could go back in and redeem it and keep it within the clan. If someone had to sell themselves into slavery, he could come back in and redeem them out of slavery. But the situation here, very interesting, is that if one of his male relatives died without kids, he had the right to step in, marry his widow, in order to produce children. Now, Naomi understands this, and she says, is not Boaz one of our relatives? He's He's one of the redeemers. He's the one that can step in, marry you, have kids, and then we can live happily ever after. Just one problem. He's not doing anything. He's not taking any initiative. And Naomi's like, we've got to fix that. Keep going. He says that he's going to be winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So the harvest time is over. It's time to winnow. That's where they bring all the bushels to this big, flat, hard ground. And they would work at separating the kernels from the the chaff and the husk and the stalks. And and this is like a joyous, party-like atmosphere, uh, celebration the, the famine is over. The feast is beginning. Look at all this food. This is such an awesome time. He's going to be there tonight. Ruth, it's time for you to do something tonight. Verse 3. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself. and Put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. 
But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. So he's like, okay, you got to get ready for, for this date. Take a bath, good idea. Put on some perfume, put your best clothes on, be smelling good, be looking good. And then you go to the threshing floor, but don't run up to him or anything. Hide and just kind of spy him out and see what's going on and, and, and keep an eye on him. You're like, oh. See, that's why you don't involve the mother-in-law. I mean, this gets pretty weird right here, all right? All right, verse 4. Here we go. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Oh, boy. And she replied, all that you say, I'll do. Now, let's try to understand this. Why would Boaz be sleeping outside at the threshing floor? Let's, let's start with the, the simple thing, all right? Threshing floor, outside, lots of grain came in. That's worth a lot of money. You don't want robbers to come along and steal that grain. So you're going to sleep outside on the ground, and, and they'll guard it all night. And now, Naomi says, you be sure when you're sneaking around out there, see where he lays down. Because you don't want to be going up to the wrong man. Be very uncomfortable. Make sure you, just, you see that's Boaz. He's the one over there. And then you sneak up to him, undercover his feet, lay down, and he'll take it from there. Oh, man. What is she... What, what, is, what is that? What is she talking about? Uh, so let's, let's try to figure out Naomi's risky strategy here. Its intent is not to be immoral but it certainly could get there pretty quick it could certainly go into very compromising situations uh, pretty quickly the, the point is a marriage proposal that's what it is D don't try this ladies this is this is descriptive not prescriptive it's a, it's a marriage proposal she's to go up to him and she doesn't want to just shake him because he'll start getting startled and cause a scene and, and everybody will say, what's going on? But she's to, to uncover his feet and ho hopefully as she uncovers his feet, the, the cold air sleeping out at midnight, it's cold, and maybe his feet are getting cold, he, he will wake up and then Naomi was hoping that Boaz would then catch a clue, see Ruth, and say, oh, I've been missing it all along. There's the connection I needed. Okay. And then ask her to marry him. But it was a risky strategy, to say the least. And it's risky because it's late. This is a woman approaching a man. This is a Moabite asking an Israelite. This is an employee initiating with an employer. This is a young woman coming on to an old man. And you have to admit, the situation could get compromised really quickly as Boaz could take advantage of her or he could reject her and then spread rumors about her character. Very, very risky scenario. But what's happening? God is moving his sovereign plan along. Naomi sees a situation, she sees what needs to happen, and so she concocted this strategy that is risky. You've got to admit it, it's pretty creative, but it could also be 
misunderstood. And as followers of Jesus, there are times in our lives where we are presented uh, with situations in line with God's character and, and who he is, situations that where we need to take risk, creative risk, strategic risk, but it might be misunderstood by a lot of people. As I've told you before, one of my favorite authors and, and pastors is Francis Chan, who is um, leaving his church this month to branch out to different ministries. He's a great, great pastor. And one of the things, he gets criticized for a lot of things, that's why I like him. But one of the things he really gets criticized for is that he does not believe that his family should have an emergency fund. He says, there's so many needs in the world, he shouldn't have an emergency fund. And people say, oh, Francis, man, you got, I don't think he's got four or five kids. Francis, man, you've got to take care of your family. If an emergency happens, you've got to have some money in the emergency fund, and then you're going to provide for your kids or your, 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 your wife. You, you never know what's going to happen. You've got to have an emergency fund. And he's like, how can I have an emergency fund when my brothers and sisters around the world are in an emergency right now? They're my brothers and sisters. They need something, food, shelter, clothing, now. How can I keep that for myself? And it's a risk. But it seems to be a risk in line with God's character, but also a risk can, that can be misunderstood. And, and that's here God is moving along his plan, even in the life of believers, as we step out and take these strategic risks. Let's see how it goes. Ruth seems eager to do this. Let's see what she does. Verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and, and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid down. So, so far, so good. She, she blended in, he's asleep, she comes over, uncovers, lays down, waits. Verse 8, at midnight, the man was startled <laughs> and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He's sleeping away, his feet are starting to get cold, and he woke up and bam, there's a woman at his feet. It's not a cat. It's not a dog. That is a woman. It's a tempting situation. It's dark. People are asleep. And there's a woman. What would often happen on these threshing floors as all these reapers are partying and reveling and drinking and eating, it would be a time for prostitutes to come in and cash in. It wasn't uncommon. And he wakes up. And there's a woman at his feet. What's the man of character going to do? Men, what would you do? Verse 9. He said, who are you? It's dark. And she answered, I'm, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So it's dark. 
His eyes are blurry from being asleep. He certainly probably can smell her perfume, but he has no clue who she is. And she speaks up and says, I'm Ruth. And then she proposes. Well, actually, she proposes that he propose. Isn't that interesting? Go up to her guy. I propose that you propose to me. That's kind of what she's doing. And she says, spread your wings over your servant, or some translations say, spread your garment over your servant. It, it, this was a marriage custom. The, the man would spread the corner of a, of a, a garment over a woman, which was symbol, symbolizing that he was marrying her, and she was coming under his protection and love. And when we were going through chapter 2, it, it says that, that Ruth left all her gods in Moab, and she came under the, the sovereign refuge and protection of the wings of God. And now, she's not just seeking refuge under the wings of God, but she's also seeking refuge under the wings of Boaz. I, I want to make sure you get this. She's not making a marriage pitch alone. But she's going beyond that to stress the kinsman redeemer idea. Did you see that? She said to him, For you are a redeemer Ruth is not just taking this risk so she can get a husband but she's taking this risk because she's making the connection that if she gets this husband Boaz then he can function as a redeemer so the marriage is not just for her happiness but it's also to carry on the line of Elimelech, you know, Elimelech, who is the dead relative of Boaz and the dead husband of Naomi. So it's not just about Ruth's personal happiness. Boaz starts to clue in here. It takes guys a while, and he sees her heart, and look what he says in verse 10. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You've made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after a young man, whether poor or, or rich. So the tension goes down. Obviously, Boaz is not going to take advantage of her. Obviously, Boaz is not going to spread rumors about her. So the tension has gone way down. And, but he's blown away by this, this kindness, which seems to keep getting greater and greater. Not only did she leave her homeland, not only did she leave her parents, not only did she leave her gods, but she has sought out a marriage that is keeping in line with the kinsman-redeemer idea of promoting Naomi's family line and seeking an heir. She didn't go after the, 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 the young men, whether they were poor or whether they were rich. She could have gone, at, fallen in love with, with this guy who didn't have much money working in the fields, and they could have coasted on love. She could have gone after money and, and married rich young men and they could, I guess, live off the money. And, and Boaz is like, you, you didn't go after the poor guys or the rich guys for love or for money, but you went after the, the old man. You went after the old redeemer for the benefit of your mother-in-law. And, and I know some of you are, are sitting here thinking, that's not very romantic. She's going to marry this guy for the benefit of her mother-in-law? And yet, what's the Bible telling you? She's a godly woman. She is held high in honor, and she is this model servant 
that puts aside her potential personal happiness in order to serve her mother-in-law. She is a servant. Do you, do you see what, what, what God's doing here? Ruth is, is taking this, this risk for the benefit of serving others, and God is, is moving his plan along through her risk. Because I think that when we think of risk, we often think, I'm going to take risk because it is going to personally benefit me later on. It's going to benefit me financially. It's going to benefit me uh, maybe getting some power, some fame. It's going to benefit me personally long term. Ruth's not doing that. She's thinking about how can I be a servant? And what's God doing? He's taking this risky plan of Ruth who is set out to serve others and one of Ruth's descendant is going to be the greatest servant ever Jesus Christ who served us by laying down his his life on the cross for sinners like us is buried and, and rose again and now you know what he's calling us now to do come on follow me take risk take risk that serve others Take risks not so you can get rich. Take risks not so you can get popular. But take risks in the kingdom and serving others. I heard a story this week that has really been gripping me and bothering me. I can't seem to shake it. I don't know how many of you are, are from China or, or know this story. But I heard this story this past week um, about a certain bridge in China... Uh, maybe it's, if I get the details wrong, I'm sorry, but I think it's like four miles long. And about every week, someone jumps off the bridge to commit suicide. Every week, one person at least. So it's very disturbing. And there was this man who was uh, seeing this, and he was disturbed. And you know what he started doing? He thought to himself, I want to go to this bridge, and I want to rescue these people before they jump, I want to talk them down or, or, or something like that. So he would go there. He would leave his family two days a week, 10 hours each day, just two days a week. And he would be on his moped going back and forth on this uh, four-mile bridge, got his binoculars out, looking for people getting up on the railing. And then he would race to them and try to talk them down. And if he couldn't talk them down, he would grab them and tackle them down at risk because what, uh, what can happen is that they'll pull you in with them. They don't care. And so it, this was his personal rescue mission, and he, he rescued many, a lot of them. He didn't rescue. They jumped before he got there. He couldn't talk them down, and, and they went in and ended their life. And, and I was gripped by this man who's leaving his family two days a week, taking a risk where he can get pulled in in order to save these people. And I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, you know, there are billions, <laughs> millions, billions perishing without Jesus, and we, we have the gospel we have the way to eternal life, to not perish in hell. And I'm wondering, are we as adamant, uh, uh, zealous to take risk in sharing the gospel with people before they perish? Uh, do we have the mindset of Ruth that, like, you know what? It's not about me. It's about serving other people. And are we willing to jump out there and say, you know what, people are perishing. I love people. God loves people. This is his mission. This is, this is in line with his character. I'm going to take risk, and I'm going to step out there forsaking myself because I love other people. 
God still advances his plan today through people like you and me who take risks for the benefit of others. It's not just an, an Old Testament Bible story that ends here. It still happens today. All right. Well, let's see how it goes. Verse 11. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Oh, this is great. He doesn't say, he, does, he, does, he doesn't say, I've always wanted to marry a young woman. This is so exciting. You're beautiful and young, and I'm old and ugly. This is great. He doesn't say that. He says, everyone knows in the whole town that you are a worthy woman. I think, right? She's got a reputation for being a worthy woman. She's godly. Everybody knows. And he, he wants to step up and marry her. I mean, she first, she first took the other gods and her family and the country take care of her mother-in-law. She's coming to the wings of God and he's excited. And, and it says back in, in Ruth chapter 2 verse 1 about Boaz, if you remember that, it says, you see that Ruth chapter 2 verse 1? It says, he is a worthy man himself. He's a man of character himself, and she is a worthy woman. And you're like, worthy man? Worthy woman? Ha ha! Isn't that a great match? Perfect match! They should get married! It's time to send out the invitations. Pick a cake. Get some flowers. Let's, let's plan the honeymoon. Worthy man? Worthy woman? Perfect match! But not so fast. There's another man in the picture. Every good love story has this other person. There's another man in the picture here. And uh, here's the tension coming back into the story. We thought we were going to sell off in the sunset, happily ever after. Uh Uh-uh. Another man comes in. Verse 12. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet, there is a redeemer nearer than I. So there's another man in the clan of Elimelech, just like Boaz, but that man has a slight advantage. Maybe he's Elimelech's brother. Somehow he's in this clan where he's closer to Elimelech, Naomi's dead husband, than Boaz, and he would have first rights to redeem Ruth. Uh, but Boaz says, you know, if he refuses, I'm, I'm ready to step up and marry you. Look at verse 13. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you, lie down until the morning. Now you have to kind of wonder, you're like, come on, man, this beautiful girl wants to marry you. It's the right thing to do. Just just marry her. Why do you need to involve this other guy? They have chemistry. They have connection. Maybe they have love. They know each other. They've hung out on the threshing floor. They've seen each other in the fields, going, I guess, on a few dates, eat eat some lunch together. What's the deal? Just, Just marry her. It's because he has character. It's because this guy has character that he has to pursue this other scenario because the law of God has something set up in it where the nearest relative is the one to redeem. And not only would 
uh, Ruth be redeemed, but land would be involved. So there's kind of a financial thing going on there too. And so what Boaz wants to do, he doesn't want to cut corners. He doesn't want to do anything unethical. He doesn't want people to slam him in the town because he has an upstanding character, as, as so does Ruth. And so what he does, he takes a strategic risk. But it is a risk that could cost him Ruth. God is advancing his plan through Boaz who takes a strategic risk that may have great personal cost for him. You know, there are many times we've got these situations in life and we go like, this seems right. This seems God-ordained. That's exactly what God wants me to do. But in order to pull it off, you have to have small Small, just small. Moral compromises. There are times you're like, okay, God, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to set out for you. I, I got, I got, I'm going to just do it. But there's little small compromises you have to make in order to pull it off. And those of character pursue the high road. Even if it seems like it's never going to happen even if it seems like it's going to take longer, even if it seems like it's a massive diversion, Boaz is basically saying, you know what, I'm going to pursue the path that God wants me to take, and whatever the outcome is, it's up to him, it's not up to me, but I'm going to do this right, even at great personal cost to me. And this is, this is something you'll see throughout the Bible. You'll see characters under the sovereignty of God making Right choices that are very hard because they don't want to compromise in small ways. It's interesting that this story is, is taking place in Bethlehem. Remember anything else in, that happened significantly in Bethlehem? Oh yeah, one of Boaz's descendants, Jesus Christ, is going to be born there many years later. Born of who? Mary and Joseph. And Mary and Joseph took a risk. Hey, Joseph, your wife's pregnant. Oh, what? Why well, need to divorce her? Well, get out of this situation. God says, no, 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 no. Marry her. Are you kidding me? People are going to think. Get married. Okay, now you're married, but don't touch her. Don't, don't be intimate yet. Wait, wait. Wow, Mary and Joseph. Messiah comes from them. They take this risk and people are going to look down on them. What's going on here? God is advancing his sovereign plan through believers just like us, just like these biblical characters who are taking these risks and sometimes they take these risks and the outcome can really cost them a lot. All right, finish the story up here. Verse 14. So she lay at his feet until the morning but arose before one could recognize another and he said... Let it not be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He cares about her character. He doesn't want the town to know, oh, what's Boaz doing? Hanging out with women on the threshing floor. Oh, we heard Ruth came. Oh, gossip, gossip, gossip. He does not even want a hint of sexual morality. Verse 15, and he said, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it. And he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went to the city. Like, what are you doing? And this is like 60 to 90 pounds of food. 
giving her some groceries to take home. Like, just, just tell her to go home and we'll figure this out later. Don't give her all these groceries. So he gets all these, she's carrying it home and you're wondering what's all, what's all the groceries for. Keep reading. Verse 16, and when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? She's like, I've been waiting up all night. How did my crazy psycho plan work? Did it work? How did it go? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. This this could preach for an awfully long time. Do you you see what God's doing? Naomi, at the beginning of the the book of Ruth, she's freaking out. Her world's falling apart. It's a famine. No children. And here she's coming. Uh, Ruth comes back and says, okay, I know you left empty-handed, but look, 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 look what God's giving you. He's turning your famine into a feast. And if you hold on just a little bit longer, there's going to be some children. Hold on. Hold on. Now, before we look at verse 18, I just want to make sure you're tracking with the story. God is moving his plan along through these three believers who are taking these strategic risks. We have Naomi, Naomi being a little creative, potentially misunderstood. We have Ruth. She's totally doing it to serve others. We have Boaz. He, he's focused on doing the right thing, even though it could cost him. And, and you know what the outcome of these risks are going to be? They're going to produce a descendant in the line of the Messiah. And that, that is going to be Jesus Christ. Wow. I would say that's worth it, wouldn't you? And, and now we are, are in the Messiah through faith. And, and now we make choices and take risks that are strategic, that are creative, that are for the benefit of the others, that could cost us greatly. And as we take these risks, we've, we've got to have this last, this last little verse here. Verse 18. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So she says, you know what you need to wait? Boaz is a man who's going to take action. Boaz is not going to sit around and talk big. He's going to be a man who actually does something. Um, there are a lot of men, I guess women too, who like to talk big, but they don't do anything. They're just talking, 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 talking. Yeah, when I get married, I'm going to do this. When I get out of school, I'm going to do this. Oh, this summer, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Big plans, big talk, nothing. Uh, There's a couple guys in here. I went to this conference with a few weeks ago. It's kind of this big idea conference called the Q Conference. And it's a conference all about uh, a small thing called changing the world. And all the presentations there are about, let's change the world. Let's change the world. Let's change the world. How can we change the world? Let's think about changing the world. Let's change the world. They're talking about stuff from sharing the gospel to dealing with nuclear arms, water for people planting plants, I mean, just, just you name it all the time. How can we change the world? It's a lot of talk. And I want to speak to the men in here. 
We don't want to be men of talk. People talk enough. When I'm having lunch with a guy and I just feel like he's a talker, I just want to reach across and punch him in the face. (laughs) Quit talking. Go do something. And, And the reason why a lot of men just talk is because in secret, they're in sin somewhere and they're not telling me about. They have this secret little life of sin and so they have their goals and aspirations that never get carried out because they have this secret little thing going on that they're not telling me about. Boaz doesn't have this secret little thing going on. He's a man of character, a worthy man, a godly man. He has a plan, it's a strategy, and he's going to make it happen today. What about Ruth? What does she do? Well, she says, okay, my daughter, wait. Ruth is supposed to wait. There's one scholar I've been studying through this whole Ruth book. He is so good. I rarely quote commentators, but he says this. Can we put that? Do we even have that? He says, at the outset, she had formulated a risky plan. Now she counseled a patient wait. We like the risky plan. We like to get it going. But the wait is hard. It's no fun to wait. Wait around how see things are going to turn out. Wait around to see what God's going to do. That's really hard, right? Are you with me here? That, that's hard. About 13 months ago, in April of 2009, in a very miraculous way, I'll tell you about it sometime, God said to me and my wife, he stirred us up, he said, Jason and Melissa, I want you to adopt a child. And it's a very uh, risky plan for a lot of reasons. But as we've been walking through this with uh, many of you starting 13 months ago when we've been living life with you and many of you have been encouraging us, um, I just want to tell you straight up, these last 13 months have not been easy. This wait has been hard. I mean, we thought, God, didn't you call us to do this? You, you said do it now. We're doing it. Why is nothing happening? Get this. Several months in, The process went like this, totally stopped, and we had to start all over again. And we're like, God, what is going on? You you said step out, we stepped out, and, and, and nothing. And so as we've been going along since then, we've had four situations, four, that have just fallen through. One after the other, after the other, after the other. We're still in it have no clue. We've stepped out, but now we're in that part where we have to wait, and there is nothing we can do about it. You know how there is sometimes when you do so much action, and then you get to a point, and there is nothing you can do. You can pray, you can seek the face of God, but beyond that, you can do nothing but wait. That's where we're at. Maybe you're in that situation also. But we can have confidence to know, confidence to know that God is working out his plan. We're simply called to step up, 
where there's a right situation in line with his character, where there's a, a situation that, that, that seems like he's leading in your life, that we step up, we take strategic risk, and we totally trust him with the outcome. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for my, my, my brothers and sisters who have taken some risk to some deal some problems in their life. I, I think of some of my brothers and sisters who have tried to deal with their marriage um, problems by taking a risk, by confronting some problems, and now they're, they're waiting for resolution. Or some of my brothers and sisters have felt the call to leave this country and to go to another country to share the gospel, and it's not going so well, or it's not happening fast enough, or the money's not there, and they are waiting on you to move. And there are my brothers and sisters in here who need to step up. Lord, you're calling them to step up, step out, and risk for the gospel, for the kingdom, for others, laying aside themselves for others. And I just ask, Lord God, that you are, are taking us at various phases in our lives, awaiting of risking of thinking and praying, that you would let us know that you're sovereign, you're in control, you're moving the people, you're moving the situations, you're moving the scenarios all for your glory and help us to trust you and to wait. We love you. We really do love you. Praise you for incorporating us into Christ and into your grand plan. In Jesus' name, amen.